Hello and welcome to another Source Property podcast. Now, this is podcast number two of a series of seven podcasts, specifically looking at assisted sales. And just like the first podcast, I have a guest with me who is Abby Tomlinson, one of our support team. Hi, Abby. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm looking forward to um, doing part two of the podcast. Hopefully people found the first one helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So the first one was sort of an overview, and now we're going to go into the details for specific parts of the process of you finding an assisted sale and working out whether you can make some money out of that property. And like we said in the last podcast, one of the benefits of that is that you don't even have to own the property. So let's have a look at how we're going to assess the assisted sale. And that's what this podcast is all about. So what do you think is the first thing to look out for, Abby, when you're looking at a a property that potentially could be an assisted sale? Really, what you need to be looking at are properties that have been on the market for a while. And then you need to look at that property and make a decision or ask yourself, why has that property been on the market for a certain amount of time? Why is no one interested in it? Why is it not sold already? So that really is going to be the first step to how you can identify whether or not the property would lend itself to an assisted sale as a project. So imagine somebody's just about to go and sit in front of Rightmove or Zoopla and they're going to target a search specifically for assisted sales. How long do you think they should look before they would consider that property might be right for assisted sales? What do you mean by it's been on the market for a while? How long is that? Chris, ideally, you need to be looking at property that's been on the market for six months or longer. The fact that it's been on the market for that amount of time means that there is probably an issue with it that is preventing that property from having been sold already or is putting people off wanting to buy it. I'm not going to go into loads of detail now about how you'd actually do the search on Rightmove um, to find the specific type of property because we will reveal everything in um, the next podcast, podcast three, which will be how do I find an assisted sale. But today we're just going to be talking about about how you assess the assisted sale in the first place. And finding out why that property isn't selling is a big point, right? Because the reason that that property isn't selling is what you're looking to remedy. You're looking at putting that right in order for that property to sell much quicker. And therefore, you need to know what it is so that you can work out how much it's going to cost to do that. So in most of the assisted sales that we see, what would you say is the most common theme about all these properties as to why they're not selling? The fact that the property is in need of modernisation, needs a refurb, perhaps it's unmortgageable for various reasons, and that's just putting off a standard buyer from purchasing that property. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, I completely agree that the majority of the time it's just in need of a simple refurb. But you mentioned the unmortgageable stuff. So you'll probably find that you find it on right move like you would with any other property. What are some reasons that a property wouldn't be unmortgageable, though? There's a few reasons, Chris. It might be that it has subsidence or an issue with the structure of the property that makes it unmortgageable. It might be that it's had flooding. Yeah, exactly right. Structural is a big problem and it can be quite expensive to fix or it might not be expensive. It might not be as expensive as the property owner thinks. But there are other things, for instance, if the property has no kitchens and bathrooms, which comes down to whether they've got running water or not, the property could have a short lease. So an assisted sale might work for a flat that has a short lease that can't sell on a mortgage and therefore the value of the property comes down. And that's what you're looking for. The unmortgageable stuff, the reason that that gives you an opportunity is that if it's not mortgageable, then there are fewer people that can buy it because you need the cash in order to buy it. Now, there are fewer people out there that have got the cash to buy most properties that are on the market because they're looking for a mortgage in order to buy the property. So if it's unmortgageable, that instantly takes out 70, 80, 90% perhaps of people that are able to buy that property. And the less demand there is for that property, the lower the price becomes because there are are fewer people that can buy it. So after you've worked out why the property isn't selling, 
what's the next thing that you're going to look at? What do you then need to start to put together in order to assess whether this is a property that you want to pursue and you want to try and get in contact with in order to find out if you can get into this deal, Abby? You're obviously going to need to have a look at what needs doing, how much that's going to cost. It might be a simple refurb where you just need to put new kitchen, bathroom, carpet, um, you know, something quite simple. But ultimately, you need to work out how much it's going to cost you to do whatever needs doing to that property to make it saleable. And you then need to weigh up that with the comparables of what the property value would be once you've carried out the work and once it went back on the market in better condition. Yeah, exactly. Those two figures. So the figure of how much the work's going to cost, what you can put it back onto the market for, and then what it's worth right now, you need to weigh that up to see whether there's a margin there. So it's a very simple sum as to what's the difference between the purchase price with the GDV and how much it's going to cost you. And does that leave you enough money in the deal in order for you to look at pursuing that property? Because that difference is the money that you will get. That capital uplift is what you will get. So how would you come up with comparables for a property? What are the metrics that you need to live by in order to find a decent and reliable comparable? Ultimately, you'd look on Rightmove, Zoopla, look at nearby sold prices of a property up to the standards and condition that you are hoping to achieve from the property that you do the assisted sale on. That's a really good way to look at local comparables. It's also be good to speak to local agents and ask them for their thoughts, you know, on the property in the condition it is now versus how much they think it would be worth once you've done the refurb and the remedial works to it. So I keep a little list of comparables because I think I'll be completely honest. I challenge people to come up with this list of comparables. I'm not going to challenge you. I'm just going to read it out, Abby. You'll be pleased to hear. I'm really, um, I am pleased to hear that, Chris. <laughs> so my the, the list of things that absolutely produce the best comparables are the property that you're looking for comparables to compare against. The other property is within a quarter of a mile, sold within six months. It is the same unit in type and size. So by unit, I mean a three bedroom house, a four bedroom house, a terraced house, a semi-detached house. And size is, is fairly straightforward. And then it's in the same condition. So if you can find The same property that you're looking at, which let's say for argument's sake that this property that we're looking at is in bad condition. It needs to be modernized. You can find the same property, same sort of layout of property on the same street, but it's been modernized. It's fully up to date. It's the same size. It's a semi-detached, just like the one that we're looking at. It's within a quarter of a mile and it's sold within six months. And that's a great example of what kind of price you can achieve on the property that you're looking for. Once we've gone through that process and we've got the purchase price, and we've got the bill price, we've got the end value, and we know that in order to put our money into the deal, we've got all the comparables, we've got all the proof that we need. And let's say for argument's sake that this property is going to cost us £40,000 worth of refurbishment work to get it to that higher value. So we know we've got that money in our pocket. How do we then approach the owner? What do we then go to the owner with? in order to try and secure that deal? When we go to the owner, Chris, we need to sell the benefits to them of what we can offer them, the whole process of the assisted sale. And we did cover this on the first podcast episode, what the benefits are of us doing the work and the owner then having the outcome that they are able to sell that property and get out of that property because there obviously is a need that they want to get out of that property. But at the moment, 
they're, they're unable to do so because it's not saleable. What kind of offer would you look at making for that assisted sale when you go in there? Because you are providing a solution for that owner. So you are doing something to help them achieve what they want to achieve. So that first offer, would you do a split of the profits? Would you offer them what they're asking for the property now? How would you structure that offer, do you think? You'd need to have that discussion with them. But really, initially, you could go in there and agree that once the property sells, agree a figure that the owner is happy with to accept for that property and have the agreement that you will then pay for for all the works or you'll have an investor that will put the funds in to pay for the works. Once the property is sold, the seller will get the amount that you've agreed with them and then any additional profit that's made from that sale will be yours to take exactly so i think a really good way and a really good way of justifying this is that that person's got the property on the market for a set price and you know as well as i do that the majority of people that put the property on the market understand that they're going to get negotiated down by five to ten percent on average so the sales tactic that i use for assisted sales would be to go to the owner of that property and say Listen, you currently want, and let's for argument's sake, £220,000. You currently want £220,000 for that property, which would lead you on to believe that they're willing to accept two hundred. That's how I think most people would think about where they set in that sale. So I would say to them, you currently want £220,000 for the property. So my suggestion to you is that I put all of my money into refurbishing the property. And once it's sold at the back end, once it's been refurbished, I'll give you the £220,000 that you're looking for today. I won't negotiate you down. I'll just give you exactly what you're looking for. I'll recover the money that I've put into this for the refurbishment work. And if the property makes anything over and above that, then I take that as my profit margin, which let's be honest, that's a risk as to whether that's going to achieve more than that. Now, that would be my pitch to the person that owns the property. I would only pitch that on the understanding that I think I am going to achieve far higher than the money that I'm going to get back from paying off for that refurbishment work because of the comparables that I've done and because of the assessment that I've put in place to look at that property. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me, Chris. Excellent. All right, then. So the other thing that we need to think about as well is in making sure that the the numbers are in the right place is the RX1. We talked about the RX1 in podcast number one. And the RX1 is the restriction of your money against that property. So if they try and sell that property, the RX1 is registered with the land registry and the solicitors will see that you are due to get X amount of money from the sale of that property. So if you're going to do £40,000 worth of work, what would you secure against that property in your RX1? Would you go straight for the 40000 or would your, the number be slightly different, do you think? Ideally, you should be looking at putting in slightly more against that property. So let's say the works were going to cost you forty grand. you would want to look at securing probably forty-five to fifty against that property on the RX1. That's just in case at the end of the process, when it comes to the sale of the property, the owner does start sort of messing you about a bit. You've got that little bit of extra secured against the property that would pay for any sort of legal fees or anything that might be incurred. Obviously, the plan is that that wouldn't be an issue, but it's just more protection for yourself. And of course, the owner's got to agree to that, right? So you've got to present the RX1 to the owner because they've got to sign it because they own the property and it's a restriction against their property. So they've got to sign it and they've got to agree to it. Again, that sale that you go through with them is to say, I'm only going to take 40,000 out of the property, but just in case things go wrong, and I'm going to take your word and I'm going to hold you to it on this RX1 document, 
that things aren't going to go wrong and we are going to sell this property at the back end, then you should have no problem in signing this. But if it goes through without any issues, I'll only take £40,000 out of it. And you can have that written into the option agreement or you can have that written into another agreement. So that's how you're going to assess an assisted sale. Essentially, it comes down to comparables and understanding that build price. And that build price or that refurbishment price or whatever it is, is all about understanding why that property hasn't sold. So if you can identify a property that hasn't sold for a period of time, You find out what the problem is with that property selling and you can remedy that problem. That therefore makes an uplift in the capital appreciation of that property. Potentially, you've got yourself an assisted sale there. I'm sure as you're scrolling through Rightmove, you see this all the time. You see properties that have been on there for a long time and they're just not shifting. And you can see that it's undervalued in comparison to everything else on that street. That is a great opportunity. Now, how you find those properties and how you find them quickly and efficiently Because everybody comes across them. But what if you want to target them? What if you only want to look at assisted sales? That's what we're going to talk about in the next podcast, in podcast number three, how do I find an assisted sale? So when you've gone through your due diligence, Abby, you've identified what the purchase price is, what the bill cost is going to be, and what the resale value is, and you've got that margin, what kind of margin are you looking for? What gives you security? And what is the metric by which you can say, yes, this deal's worth doing, or no, that deal isn't worth doing? That's a really tricky question to answer, to be honest, because there isn't really anything set in stone for that. It's all about personal risk profile. If you are a person that is happy to kind of look at whether this is a a risk and is the risk versus return, you know, are you comfortable with that? Then that's completely down to you as an individual to make that decision. I don't know whether you've got any sort of thoughts on that, Chris. No, I completely agree. It's all about the individual's risk profile. As with any kind of investment, we see people that are happy to invest at like a a 5% yield. And we see some people that are holding out for a 15% yield. And the people that are holding out for a 15% yield accept that they're going to have to get into slightly more risky deals in order to get that 15%. Whereas the people set on 5% are happy to look at very, very vanilla deals because that suits their risk profile. I completely agree with that. The other thing that I would say about the margin is that when you start to assess assisted sales, you'll see very quickly, you can actually make a very significant increase to your pot of money on assisted sales, probably more so than you can with any other kind of property investment, because you might be refurbing the property and it'll take £30,000 to refurbish the property. But then the capital appreciation from that property might be 50 or 60,000 pounds. So you're essentially getting a fantastic return on capital employed with assisted sales that you don't so much with other types of property investment because you're cutting out buying that property in the first place. You don't have to leave a deposit for the property. You don't have to pay stamp duty because you don't own it. You're cutting out all of those costs and therefore you're taking home a great margin. The way that I assess assisted sales is I've created an assisted sale calculator, which is on a spreadsheet and it's very straightforward to do. It's very easy to do if you want to do one for yourself, but you can just throw the numbers into the calculator and then out of the bottom, it shows you how much money you're going to make. And you can assess deals very quickly once you've got accurate numbers. So thanks very much for listening to podcast number two on how do I assess an assisted sale. So listen out for the next one. And the next one is how you find an assisted sale. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to make sure that you get all the podcasts in this series about assisted sales. And look in the show notes afterwards to see any of the resources that we've got that we've mentioned during the time in this podcast. But thanks very much for listening. And we'll see you next time. 